Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. John chapter four, John chapter four, we're going to read 25, 26 verses this morning. I kind of want to read more, but I'm going to stick with what I said. And uh, we're going to jump into a story about people who saw Jesus and what they said about it and the stories they told. How many of you know your story matters? Everybody? I just want to make sure everybody, your story matters. Even if right now it is not in uh, the ending. Uh, Maybe we're not reading the epilogue of how you went on to greater things. Uh, Maybe we're in chapter 3 and we're still setting up the story, but your story matters. Uh, Jesus sees you, knows you, uh, believes in you, um, but not just as a, not just as kind of a self-help kind of thing. This is, this is not a, a self-salvation. This is not, you know, that's what's interesting. There's so many things in culture right now that are, um, that really truly reflect a lot of what, um, what Jesus spoke about in terms of rest, in terms of self-care and some of these things. But the, the challenge is that when, when we become hyper-individualist, then the, 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 both the discovery of ourselves and the care of ourselves becomes the priority. And then what does that do? It reveals things about ourselves that we're like, oh my gosh, what? And then we also reveals this, that our sufficiency isn't enough. That we can't actually be sufficient for ourselves. Um, that, that there's a point where you, and we'll talk about this in the well story today. We're going to talk about the Samaritan woman today. So many more layers to this than we usually give it credit for. Because honestly, sometimes it's easier just to preach the one-liner that comes out of these stories than the actual, like, what's actually underneath all of this stuff and what would have been going on. And so there's, there's these ideas of rest and taking it slow and, go, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and the, but the purpose of walking in the way of Jesus is that at some point it, it spills out into the lives of people. And, and so when we just become people who are just taking care of ourselves and it doesn't pour out into the way we care for others, then we've lost a real key component of what God's doing in us and through us. Amen? So when, when Adam and Eve, when they had the life breathed into them, and they started taking care of the earth, when, G, when God says, I want you to rule and reign, what he really meant is to watch and work the ground. Make sure that it's, it's becoming everything I've called it to become. How many of you guys have heard people twist that word? Hey, I want you to take dominion. What? doesn't mean you get to be the boss. It means that you get to cultivate what God has put in the earth so that it becomes all that it's meant to do. Do you hear me? Does that make sense? That does sometimes mean you got to go, no, that's not what we are. That's not what we do. I'm not, don't get me wrong there. It just means that our priority is that the, that the things grow that are meant to grow. All right, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, starting verse 1. And I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to read the whole thing or if I'm going to break it up. I think you guys probably, if you want to do the over-under on that, you know, probably know what's going to happen here. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, because John was a problem, so if John's a problem and he's doing more than John, then problem's coming. Though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, because Jesus is an incredible leader. He left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. That's it. It's a really interesting line. Verse 4, he had to. Some translations, maybe some of y'all say he needed to. It's a really weird phrase for a Jewish man to somehow have this need or want or have to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the, pro- uh, the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus uh, worn out from his journey. Come on, how many of you need to know that Jesus got tired? 
Thank you, Lord. Worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six o'clock in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus says, Give me a drink. I've had to work with my sons on this, and someone needs to talk to Jesus. You gotta say, Please. Can you please give me a drink? In verse 8, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So this gives us an idea of what's going on, right? Um, the Samaritan woman had come out either, one, she, they had already run out of water, or two, she, had, she only come out to get water on her own, which is a bit abnormal. Normally, you come out earlier in the day with a group of people. You come out and get water from the well. So there's a couple different options here. We don't know exactly. We know maybe by, based on what happens later in the story, we kind of know why she was on her own, but we don't totally know. Maybe she was ostracized. Maybe they had simply run out of water, and, and she shows up. And Jesus is there, tired, worn out. Come on, can I get a witness? Tired and worn out, sitting by the well. So tired, I guess, that he couldn't draw the water from the well. The truth is, he just didn't have his bucket, all right? Didn't, he didn't carry his bucket. Don't go to the well without your bucket. And so she shows up, and he's there, and the disciples have left. So now Jesus is there on his own, right? So we got, we got a Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus shows up at the well. He's tired, ain't got a bucket. And uh, they're by themselves. And Jesus kind of commands this woman, hey, give me a drink of water. Give me a drink of water. And she replies, she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? All right, so she's not just saying I'm a woman because you didn't know that. She's saying that because I'm Samaritan and I'm a woman. How dare you ask me for water? There's a lot of reasons for this. There's a lot of history between these two groups of people. For Jews, do not associate with Samaritans. All right, this is pretty significant. Now, maybe you've grown up in church, and so maybe you've heard this, but Samaritans and Jews did not like each other. This is not like Eagles fans and Cowboys fans. It's close, but it's, it's worse, okay? By the way, way to go Braves. Let's roll. And, uh, and so I can be happy for you for that one. But here's the thing. This is not like that. That's not what this is. This is kind of like, Civil War type stuff. This is kind of like groups of people who hated each other so much that, that here's the reality, that instead of going straight to Oklahoma from Texas, you would like go into Louisiana and you would go the long way around because you didn't want to go through a particular city or region. That's how bad this was. You would take, instead of going three and a half hours up to Oklahoma City, which I know none of us ever do, uh, but if you were going to, you would actually go the long way round to get to where you are going. Why? Because I don't even want to go through that region. In fact, uh, uh, one uh, summation of this said it like this. David Guzik says, when the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom, and this is kind of how we ended up with this uh, ethnic group called the Samaritans, uh, conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, they took almost all the population captive, exiling them to the Babylonian empire. All they left behind were the lowest classes of society. Because remember, we're still talking about a group of people that, that you had levels of society. And you knew who they were. All right? Because they didn't want these lowly regarded people in Babylonia. These ones left behind intermarried with other non-Jewish peoples who slowly came into the region. And the Samaritans emerged as an ethnic and religious group. 
So Jews who were all about being set apart, doing all these rituals, all this stuff to make sure that they stayed God's people, right? They operated according to their own law and according to their own way. And then you get the, the, the it, because of captivity, because of war, they end up leaving this certain group of people behind who were Jewish. And then there were other groups of people that started showing up. They intermarried. And so now this group of people couldn't claim the Babylonians and they couldn't claim Jewish uh, heritage. And so they're in this space where nobody wanted to associate. And the Jews who based their life upon being separate and being other than, they're not going with Samaria either. And so the Jewish people would, would the, the really devout Jewish people would make sure they go as far around this region as possible. So yes, I might do that with Philadelphia, but it's not quite the same thing. It's a little deeper than that. And so Jesus shows up, sees a Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, again, even in that day, in that, that, that age, the Samaritan woman, not just Samaritan, but a woman, it's, this whole thing is is out of sorts. This whole thing is not what you're supposed to be doing. But remember, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus in this moment. So Jesus begins to interact with this woman and says, I, want, I need a drink of water. And she says, well, how dare you ask me to give you a drink? How dare you kind of step into my world and ask me to do something for you? And so Jesus kind of replies um, with an interesting answer because she kind of goes, why would you do this? We, we don't talk to each other. You're not even supposed to be here. And yet the writer of John says that he needed to go there. So there's some intention here. And what's really interesting is we're talking about names like Jacob's well. We're talking about names kind of have a big significance in the story of the Israelite people. So this is not, this is not some you know, place that nobody's ever been. It's just a place that people have forgotten. It's a place that people have said, no, 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 we're never going back there. Yes, this is a place where Jacob set something up. Yes, this is a place we saw Joseph. Yes, this is like historic and there's something significant here. But we have so decided that we are too much, uh, too good for this or we have separating ourselves from that that we can't even go back to that and realize what God had done there. And so the, oh, we're not even, even going to step foot in that. Jesus, I love Jesus because, and it just gives me freedom to never answer a question straightly. She says, how dare you ask me to give you a drink of water? And Jesus flips it on her and says, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would actually turn around and ask him for a drink, and he would give you what? Living water. Now, I want you to notice this interaction. This is a pretty significant interaction. But I'll see, some of you have already gone, yeah, that living Jesus water. You know, that real, like, spiritual wells of living water. You know, he stood at the end of the festival and said, you'll have streams of living water flowing out of your life and all this stuff. And we're immediately going, like, supernatural, spiritual, like, whoa, this is amazing. But just based on, again, just based on what we're seeing in the correspondence here, that's not the way the Samaritan woman was reading that statement, living water. She was not immediately going, oh, come on, preach it, preacher. Yeah, I need that living water flowing out from the inside of me. But how many of you, when you hear it, you're like, yeah, no, that's Jesus. Like, that's Jesus talk for supernatural stuff. Anybody? Come on, be honest. All right. Now watch what she says back. She goes, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. You don't even have... She clearly is not reading this the same way you and I are reading this. But you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. You can't get down there, like crawl down there and throw some water up. You, you got to have a bucket 
Where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? If you think you have a better well than I've got, you're not trying to say somehow that my legacy is different than yours and yours is better than mine and that you've got a better spot and a better thing. You gave us this well, or sorry, he gave us his well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. This is the well that is provided for us for a long time. How dare you show up, your stranger, and say that you've got a better, better place to get water? Because here's the reality. The, word, the phrase living water was not in that time. Now, of course, there are references to it. In fact, you find it in Isaiah that they would never thirst. You see these prophetic uh, utterances around the Messiah and who the Messiah is and what he was going to do. But at this point, she's not just immediately connecting it to that. She's not going, oh, yes, the spiritual living water that comes from the Savior and the Messiah. She's going, where is the water you speak of? Because that living water phrase, just like the Messiah phrase, was a, was a phrase that would have been heard and known in that time. And it would have simply meant this. I'm going to blow your minds here. This is so it's amazing. It just meant running water. Like living water meant moving water. I know, right? It brings it way down. It's like, wait, I was thinking heaven. It's so earth. It's just rivers. It's just like, it's just water. Now, Jesus knew that she would probably connect it to that. And Jesus is obviously working her towards a certain end goal here. But, but in her estimation, what she thought was that he had found a river or a stream or something that was going. And the beauty of a stream, different than even a well, was that it was constantly flowing and moving. And there was something else happening there. It was always happening, always flowing. The river's never the same again. You never step in the same river twice. And so Jesus is definitely pushing her or leading her, guiding her into a certain place, but, but she's still in the space of going, where do you have, this? no, this isn't, no, because Jacob found the well. This is the good well. This, we've fed our families and we've done lives, we've done everything from this well. Where is this running water you speak of? She's kept it in this kind of earthly space. And Jesus then hits the nail on the head. So Jesus said, verse 13, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Now she knows that. Everybody knows that. Of course, he's setting her up for something. But we all know that. That we will get thirsty again. So you had a good coffee this morning. You're going to have to get another one tomorrow. Right, some of you had water. You're going to need more later. Right, you ate this morning. Guess what? You're going to eat again. That you can drink this water, but you're going to get, it's going to get, you're going to get thirsty again. And we all know that. Right, but Jesus is starting to slowly juxtaposition this against the inside of our lives, the soul of our lives that is always and continues to be thirsty. Jesus says, whoever drinks from this well is going to get thirsty says, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. This is when it moves into infomercial territory for this woman. Right? You are guaranteed to be a millionaire in seven days if you buy this now. That's where she's at. Because again, she's a Samaritan woman who's been excluded from the Jews so even if, even if she makes the connection that this is the Messiah, she's still probably most likely disqualifying herself from whatever he is offering. 
And she's still thinking, wait, this living, wait, you've got like some fountain of youth that I can go and get a hold of, and it's going to sustain me, and I'll never get thirsty again, and I'll always have it, and I'll be good, and there will never be a problem, and I won't have to do this bucket thing every single day of my life. I don't understand. And then he says, in fact, the water I will give him, go back, sorry, the water I will give him, Go back, go back one verse. There it is. I will give him, will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Jesus was brilliant. In just a couple sentences, he takes this woman from this very earthly understanding of what we do in our lives to this very deep, very powerful, almost unbelievable statement that whoever drinks from the well, drinks from the living water that I have, will never get thirsty again. And in fact, not only will they not be thirsty, but it will be a well of water springing up from them, right, for eternal life, which is abundant life. Eternal, ultimately in Scripture, isn't necessarily even always about longevity. It is, it's, it's not just the quantity, but the quality. Sometimes in our, in our day and age, we tend to think about eternal life or eternity as simply and only a measurement of time. But that is not what he's speaking to. He's, yes, there's time involved here, but there is also a depth that's involved here. That this becomes a spring of living water. So Jesus has taken this woman. And this is kind of why we as people have to sharpen our minds the same way that we fill our hearts. Because there are things that should come with this following of Jesus. It's like Paul in Acts 17, going and reasoning with those in the temple. Reasoning with them for days or months, every day. Opening the scripture, pointing to their nameless idol and saying, no, 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 I'm going to tell you who this is. The one that you can't figure out, the one you can't solve, the one you can't put a label on. Yeah, yeah, everything flows from that God, and it's the one true God, and your wooden idols actually don't stack up against him. We have to have this ability to reason, not just proclaim, but reason with people to sit and walk this through. And so Jesus, sitting at a well, tired and thirsty, says, I need a drink, and immediately begins to turn it into what is deeper than just what we can get. And the reality is, is here's what's happening. Jesus is very much putting against uh, the daily habits of our lives, the daily rhythms of our life, with the very thing that's going to sustain us far more. In fact, later in the story, Jesus looks at his disciples, because we're not going to read this part. And the disciples come back after getting food and saying, hey, you haven't eaten yet. And he says almost a similar thing to them. You don't know the bread of which I eat. That it sustains me. It almost makes me think that Jesus wasn't actually thirsty. It almost makes me think that all Jesus wanted to do was talk to a stranger. It makes me think that Jesus cared about people so deeply that even when a crowd wasn't there, when there was no hoopla that was going to happen, when nothing else was going on, it was just him and this woman, that he asked the question purely and simply so that he could lead her to living water. Because see, last week we were at a pool. A festival was happening. Thousands of people are in the city, and he heals a man, and then he sneaks in behind the crowd. And he comes back around and says, hey, don't, you know, just chill out. And then the guy went and sold him out. He says, whatever, we'll deal with that later. This time, nobody's around. Jesus just looks at a woman and says, give me water. And he knows, he knows because he's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. He knows that this is going to cause some consternation. She looks at him and goes, how dare you? 
I always read that before, like maybe she was being really humble, like, oh, no, you're Jewish, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not. I think there's probably more of like, get it yourself. The way the Jewish people have treated me, like, no, mm-mm. You won't even let us go worship on the holy mountain. We've had to create our own. In fact, when we created an altar on the holy mountain, this is historic, you destroyed it. You said we can't even have it. What are you doing coming here and asking me for water? And Jesus says, if you knew who was sitting here at the well with you, if you really knew who I was, if you really understood who Jesus was, you would turn to Jesus and ask, can you give me water? Because I have the water that you'll never thirst again. And this is so true of us, though, isn't it? Like, we know that the things we do every day are going to, at some point, run out, and we're going to have to do them again tomorrow. We know that the things we do will not fully and completely be sufficient. We know no matter how many vacations we schedule into our year, how many days off we set from work, we, we know all the different things we could do to somehow take care of ourselves, and I don't think any of those are bad I like the three or four vacations a year. I need to do better about doing that, but I'm just saying, I like it. It's cool. I don't have a problem with any of those things. Hear me. But we also know that when we come back from vacation, work is harder. That the well is still going to be there, and we're still going to have to go out every day. We're still going to have to draw a bucket. We're still going to have to get the water. We're going to have to take it back into our family. we got all the things that are going to keep coming into our life. And at the end of the day, the Sabbath was not meant to be Lord over us, but was meant to serve us. All these things that Jesus instituted were not to be sufficient in and of themselves. They are purely and only signposts, and they are rhythms that allow you to see Jesus more clearly. Because ultimately, what is he trying to tell you? I am the living water. In fact, she responds with a pretty amazing statement. What did she say? Uh, oh, sorry, where, where, where did I leave off? Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get Get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give them will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. And she says, sir, give me the water. That sounds good. I don't even need the rest of this 30-minute infomercial. You got me in the first minute. Give me that water. I'm tired of coming out to this well. I'm tired of coming out here to do this thing. I, I don't want to, this to be the, old, the whole thing that determines who I am or what we have. I want this water. Because she says what? Because I don't want to come here and get thirsty. I don't want to get thirsty and, can, and come here and draw water again. Now, she may still be kind of wrestling with this spiritual and physical side of this. She may still be wrestling with the meaning of what Jesus is trying to communicate to her, but she she's realizes, though, regardless, that she wants the water that springs up to eternal life. I think we all do. I think we're all honest with ourselves. There's rhythms and patterns and all the things, and no matter how healthy and no matter how much we do that that last magazine or last article told us to do, that there's something in us that yearns for, desires, and wants something that springs up from within that doesn't have to flow from without. We want something that sits on the inside of us that, that is eternal, so even if I can't make it to the well, I've got a river. I've got a spring of living water flowing on the inside of me. Jesus says at the end of the festival of the harvest, says to all his people, says, hey, if you'll come to me, stands up on a little stool. He's not the scheduled speaker for the day. And says, hey, 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 if you would just come to me and take a drink, I will give you rivers. Isn't that an amazing picture? If you would just take a drink, I will give you rivers. 
There's a difference here. He's saying a drink. Now, it is, it is intended to be this regular, consistent drink, but he's saying, if you just take a drink from me, I'll give you rivers of living water. There's this singular, plural thing that Jesus does, and he's saying to this woman that you keep coming out here thinking that this is going to sustain you every single day, and it's always going to fix every problem and figure out every situation, and he says, I've got something way better for you, and it's that running, living water. She says to him this. Actually, he says to her, because she goes, I want the living water. I want that. No, that sounds good. Is there any kind of like, is it three payments of $99.99? What is it? Like, what's the, what's the deal to get to the living water, right? What, what do I got to do? Don't look at me like that you haven't done that three payments thing. You've, everybody's done it at least once. Um, she go, like, what do I do? What do I got to get this living? Because I don't want to draw water anymore. What do I have to do? And he looks at her and doesn't tell her how to get the living water. He begins to reveal something very, very, very strong here. He says, go call your husband and then come back. Hits her right, I mean, right between the eyes. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you are correct. Thank you, Jesus, for affirming what I knew. Again, remember, I just want... We look back through history. That's not what she's doing here. But here's a man she's never met. We don't even know if they've exchanged names yet. We just know that they're having a conversation. Don't be scared of strangers. I know you've been told your whole life not to talk to strangers. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to see Jesus move in your life, strangers are some of the best places to see that happen. Go walk your street every once in a while. If you've never said hi to your neighbors, get on it. If you've never said more than hi to your neighbors, get on it. Because I'm telling you, no, I don't think you, that precludes friends and family. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, there's people on your street who've never met you. If they have a handshake and a conversation, we'll find living water. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. But they don't know each other yet. They don't, they don't have any clue. She doesn't know if she can trust this guy. She just sees him as, like, who is this person? And then he hits her right where it hurts, Right? You go get your husband. She goes, I don't, I don't have a husband. And he says, you are correct. Great answer. But then he says this, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is where it changes for her, clearly. This goes from this, like, really earthy example of living water to this, wait, I'm sorry. Who are you? Who sent you? Who paid you off? Who told you to show up and tell you all my stuff? Now, here's what's interesting. For many of us, in the back of our minds, we're already going, oh, man, that must have made her feel bad, condemned. Jesus is doing none of that. Jesus is not trying to somehow remind her of how bad her past is. Jesus is simply trying to show her that he knows who she is. And if anything, even in knowing who she is, offers her something no one else would. I want you to hear me. He is not. Because some people would read this and go, oh, man, what a jerk. He doesn't say, please, for the water. And then he, offered, then he tells her about the, the husbands. And then she's with someone that's not. Like, 
oh, what are you doing, Jesus? And Jesus is just taking the well example and taking it into her actual everyday life. You have come to this well every day of your life, and it hasn't satisfied. It hasn't fixed. It hasn't finished. It hasn't done all the stuff you need it to do. And you have gone through five husbands, and now you're at another one. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you who you are because I want you to know that I know you, I see you, and I've still chosen to offer to you living water. This is a beautiful story because the result of this story is that her, she runs back into the city and starts telling everybody. So here's what I'm saying. Jesus started a conversation with a woman, not because he was thirsty, but because he wanted to reach a city and begin to open up the, the story of the, the people of God to more people. And she uses a woman that everyone in the city would have known, would have labeled, and would have judged. And Jesus doesn't see that as something that disqualifies her from carrying a story and a message. I think it's beautiful. We just happen to read it in our history, in our time, in our space. And so we read it as he's condemning. No, he's revealing. He's revealing. That is all. He, in fact, never says another word about it. He doesn't go, and this is why. And this is how, and this is what you should have done, and this is why you should feel bad, and this is what it... We don't even know why it was five husbands. We don't know what happened to those five husbands. Again, we just happen to read into these stories some of either our own experience, our own backgrounds, or the way someone else we've heard preach it, preach it. And we read like, well, then she must have done something really wrong. We don't know any of those things. All we know is that she just told her some of who she was and where she'd been and still chose to use her. And she replies, Sir, sir, I see, that, <laughs> I see that you're a prophet. Can you imagine? Well, you just told me, okay, yeah, you're not just a dude who's tired and thirsty. I, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews have said that this place, sorry, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. This is what's, What's happening here, right? She thinks that where they are, they can't go to the Jewish place of worship. She steps back from there, and she's going, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you're a prophet, okay, and you're a Jew. Okay, so let me ask you a question. There is no discussing why the five husbands, there's no discussing her past, there's no discussing all of those things. It's not, that it was not the point. The point was not, let me reveal where you messed up so that I can make sure you remember that you messed up. It is simply and purely to reveal both one, that being thirsty is part of our life, and number two, that he is the one who can fix it. That's all that's happened here. Jesus is revealing that our sin and our stuff and our history and our baggage and all those things will leave us thirsty and that there is only one who can do what we want to be done. Only one. And it's Jesus. What do I do with this? I don't, let me ask you a question I've been wrestling with because I want to worship and I don't know where to worship. And I don't know how to worship because you guys won't let me worship. So what do I do? It's, I mean, seriously, this conversation takes so many rabbit trails, right? It's like, where is this going? I don't know where this is going. And Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on, his mountain, on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. I, I'm just going to give you a theory here. Don't mark it down. Don't go test it against all other commentaries. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm cool with that. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Okay, keep that in mind. You worship, you worship 
what you do not know. He's not disqualifying your worship, but he's saying you're worshiping without fully understanding what you're worshiping. Right? Am I, I'm not reading too much into that. You're worshiping, but you don't worship what you know. But the Jews, we worship what we know. Right? Now, but Jesus has problems with the Jews, so he's not even saying they're doing it all correctly either. So what's he trying to get across? There's going to be a time where you don't worship on that mountain, and you don't worship on this mountain. Neither one of you have done it perfectly. Neither one of you are doing it perfectly. But there will be a time when these things come together, and how does he categorize it? We worship what we do, not know, what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit because you're worshiping what you do not know, but you know there's something there because your spirit testifies to something. The Holy Spirit's working in you. And you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain it all to us. And Jesus is like, I just did. I'm moving it off the mountains, and I'm putting it in you. The whole conversation was about the spring that springs from where? Within. And Jesus says this last statement. He says, I am he, the one speaking to you. I am the Messiah. I'm the one who's going to explain it to you. I'm the one who's going to make it make sense. I'm the one who's going to be the rivers of living water. I'm the one, no matter how thirsty you get, no matter how much, how tired you get coming out to the same well and trying to make sure it satisfies and fixes and figures out everything, no matter what you do, I am the one. I am the river. I am the spring. I am the life. I am the hope. I am the one who is going to reveal that that mountain doesn't work anymore and that mountain doesn't work anymore. That the mountain is in you. And when you worship in spirit, even when you don't know, and when you worship in truth, it's because it is what you do know, that when those two things come together, that is where living water flows. And I have come to show you that. You've got to imagine this woman is going, what just happened? It took all of two minutes for you to completely and totally and radically change my life. You wanted water. I kind of I kind of reacted a little bit like, what are you talking about? And then you went on this whole thing about living water, and I thought you were talking about a river, and then you say I'm never gonna be thirsty, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And I then you asked for my husband, I got one of those, and then and then you talk about what is going on? What is happening? But all of two to three minutes for you to change everything. And she turns around, she runs back into the city. It says she leaves her bucket. She didn't even take her bucket. She came out to get water. She leaves her bucket. And she runs into the city and she goes, oh my gosh, I think he's here. Someone just told me everything about my life. So she's clearly not taking this as some kind of thing of beating her over the head with like what you did and what you weren't and what you messed up. She clearly is not worried about that anymore because there's rivers running now. And she runs back into the city and goes, oh my God, you gotta, dude, you gotta check this guy out. He just told me everything. I'm pretty sure, hear me, she's telling a bunch of Samaritans who were told they couldn't worship on the real mountain. I'm pretty sure I just found the Messiah. You know, the one who had to go to the well by herself because she'd been ostracized. You know, the one who had five husbands and now was living with someone who wasn't her husband because she's like, I don't even need to label it anymore. 
She's running back to the city and she's going, I'm the messenger for the Messiah? What is happening right now? What a wild thing for Jesus to do. For Jesus to get tired at my well in the city he shouldn't have come to. To talk to a person he probably shouldn't have talked to. So that I could carry a message to a people to know that the kingdom has come. And you can worship in spirit and truth. What a beautiful thing Jesus does. This is the Jesus we see. They all come running. And he goes into the city. Disciples come to him. Remember, offers the food. And he goes, I already, I already ate. Because everything that gave Jesus life was fulfilling the mission God had given him. Shows up in the city and just for days, a few days, just opens up scripture. Opens up the word. Gives them the truth to connect to their spirit. Just begins to reveal things. All of a sudden, this city, this capital city of Samaritans, is now flowing with rivers of living water. The bucket might still be at the well, but it's okay. Because they have something else that's providing for them. They have something else that's fulfilling them. And they have something else that's flowing from the inside. See, when people come to you and go, yeah, you should do this. No, you need to do that. And I'm not against good advice. Please hear me. But when they come to you and go, all these things will satisfy. All these things will make new. All these things will be the thing that solves everything. You need to look at them like Jesus did the disciples and go, you don't know the bread I eat. You don't understand the water that provides. I don't have to keep going to that well. I don't have to keep going alone. By myself. At six o'clock at night. But I have rivers of living water flowing from the inside of me. Not because I figured it out, but because Jesus met me there. Not because I've done it all right, but because Jesus doesn't seem to care that I did or didn't. We see Jesus today as the one who would meet strangers at a well and lead them to rivers of living water. You might be the stranger, or you might be Jesus today. You might be the person that needs to go to a few more wells and talk to a few more strangers. Or you might be the stranger who needs to be reminded that you're not a stranger. And that Jesus knows you, he sees you, and he says to you, I've got something for you. But I thank you so much for today. I thank you that there is life and hope in you. I thank you that there is nothing that can separate us like your prophet Isaiah says that they will no longer hunger or thirst when the king has come God there's people in here today who are thirsty I didn't need to tell you that you know that you've shown up at this well today I said I've got something for you I've got something for you Jesus you take 30 seconds. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit. And again, this may be foreign for you. This may be out of bounds for you. It's not something you've done before. I just want you to take 30 seconds. Give this a shot. Just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me like you did at the Samaritan woman at the well. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I need, I need those rivers of living water. I need the stream. Let's just take a moment right now. Just take 30 seconds. Ask the Holy Spirit. Let him speak into your heart.
Uh, would you stand with me? Here's what I want you to do uh, in the next few minutes. Some of us today are making the decision to follow in the way of Jesus. Follow in the way of Jesus. Not just for a salvation moment, but for a life-transforming journey ahead of you. Where you're going to become new. Some of you may need to be starting the mercies are new every morning journey like today. I just want to encourage you right now as we worship. Right now as we worship. If you're going, I'm thirsty, and I keep going to the same well. I keep going to the same well. And Jesus is saying to you, stop. If you knew, if you really knew who was sitting in front of you today, you would simply ask, simply ask, and I would give you rivers of living water. So as we worship, if you're going, I'm thirsty, I want you to worship with that mindset, or even stop and pray. Just say, Lord, I want rivers of living water. I just want to drink from the fountain. I want to know that kind of life. And I believe he'll give it to you today.